0: What's up, everyone? Ryan Satin here. Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. We're here to discuss the go-home edition before Survivor Series this week. But before we do that, before we dig into this show and break it down segment by segment, I first wanted to give a little bit of love to someone who showed love to this show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Herrickson left a review saying, awesome show incredibly interesting. I love this show. I think Ryan has such a good podcast voice and takes to back it up. His interviews are so great. I feel like I get to really know the wrestlers he has on, but even the recap episodes are awesome with him just talking through what happened. He has such an interesting view as someone who is somewhat in the business, but also can talk about the reality of booking and business behind the show. A must-listen any wrestling fan. Herrickson, you're the man. Appreciate it very, very much. Yes, somewhat in the business does seem like an appropriate description for me there, but I appreciate it. I really do try to have my own takes and views, things that aren't necessarily what the majority are saying. I like to have my own thoughts. So I appreciate that you like them. I appreciate that you like those takes, and thank you so much for leaving the review uh, it means a lot to me that you guys are listening and that you guys are enjoying the show very much. But remember, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast, I'll read yours too. So go hook it up with a five-star review if you're enjoying the show. And also leave a, leave a nice review as well on top of it. Uh, I, I It makes me happy knowing that you guys are enjoying the show. All right, sappy stuff shilling aside, let's get to this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. The show begins with Kevin Owens making his entrance and the announced team recap. <clears throat> excuse me. The announced team recap what happened last Friday on SmackDown with Owens being revealed as the final member of Team Sheamus at War Games. Owens says even with everything they've been through, he still considers Sammy a brother and that's not the reason he joined team Sheamus. He only became the fifth member because he's coming to remind Roman Reigns who he is, the guy who continually took him to his limit and might be champion if the bloodline hadn't gotten involved. Owens then introduces the rest of his team in the brawling brutes and Drew McIntyre from SmackDown who make their way to the ring through the crowd. Sheamus promises this to be one of the most brutal matches In WWE history and that he smells a banger cooking, Drew says that he can't remember a time when the bloodline weren't holding all the top titles in WWE. And on Saturday, that changes. Well, not really sure exactly how that would change since no titles are on the line. But I digress. Uh, The group are then interrupted by Judgment Day as Rhea reminds them that this is their show, not SmackDown. And Balor says he hopes the Bloodline smashes them all at Survivor Series. And that next time they come to Raw, Judgment Day won't be so nice to them. Sheamus takes umbrage with this, though, and challenges Balor to a match. They get all Irish on each other. And Judgment Day versus Brawling Brutes is made official for after the break. Now, before we get to that match, let's just talk about all of this. Um, You know, I, I think that making the the team against the bloodline uh, appear as a cohesive unit is smart i think that you want to make them look like a team that has a chance to defeat the bloodline i think that owens is clearly playing the character that he does best now uh, before I don't want to. Say, I'm trying to think of the right word, but I I don't know. If, I don't want to disparage what even before because I'm a huge fan of everything Kevin Owens has done always. Um, but I think that like that towing the line between heel and face, you know, kind of cat rope walking across it and playing the anti hero role that he plays so well. I think that we all want to see Kevin Owens be that anti hero, not necessarily playing heel. Or face, but playing that tweener role that he does so well. I also really loved the interaction between Seamus and Finn Balor, them out Irishing each other. I didn't understand some of the terminology they were using. I think I saw someone say plastic patty means you're not a real Irishman on the inside. Uh, but I, I, I uh, appreciated nonetheless their, their banter. I liked the banter between them. I felt like It felt authentic, and I think that's like one of the ultimate Irish matchups that you could get uh, at some point down the line. Definitely going to want to see more between the two of them. Uh, But for now, all we got was a six-man tag match. Judgment Day versus Brawling Brutes. Dominic tried to run away from Sheamus near the end of this match, but the OC appeared and allowed Sheamus to bring him back. This triggered a string of back and forth action between the teams, and Dominic tried to roll up Sheamus, but instead got hit with a knee to the face. Sheamus then tore off Dominic's shirt and hit the 10 beats as Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre watched with glee. Then Sheamus hit a bro kick for the win. The two teams continued to fight afterwards, but the OC chimed in to help. Owens then hit a stunner on Finn Balor to to end the segment. Now, As far as this match is concerned, yeah, you know, I kind of felt like there was a little, this episode as a whole, I like the show, don't get me wrong, but I kind of felt like there were a bunch of segments throughout this show where people were losing who are still in the process of being built up, who who need those wins a little more. And this was kind of one of them. I think that Judgment Day have kind of been a a focal point of Monday Night Raw the past few months. And I don't know if another team coming in and beating them was the right move necessarily. Especially when it it did, in, in some way, kind of made them look weak heading into Survivor Series where we got A.J., versus Finn Balor however this was still a good match it was still entertaining Uh, it was fun watching Sheamus beat up Dominic and to see how much everyone seemed to be enjoying it I had no issue with the actual in-ring action or anything like that I think every guy involved played their part it was entertaining to watch I was as far as wrestling in-ring action is concerned I enjoyed it very much. I would like to see more from Sheamus and Finn Balor, like I was saying. I just kind of felt like... Yeah, I just kind of felt like... Raw's kind of become Judgment Day's show, like they were saying. I don't think Finn Balor should be losing to people so willy-nilly. Now, I know that you know there was a six-man, so it's different. It It was Dominic who got pinned, so it's not necessarily Balor. But Balor still lost. It's his team. And I like that Judgment Day is is kind of being kept strong, or at least looking strong most of the time. However, um, you know the brawling brutes. You know you want to build them up as much as possible heading into the Survivor Series War Games match against the most dominant faction in some time in WWE. So I get putting them up against another dominant faction and showing that they can beat them to convey the message. That they can beat the bloodline as well. Johnny Gargano, after this, tells Kathy Kelly he challenged Miz to a rematch tonight, and in that interview, he claims that he and Dexter have agreed to not interfere in each other's matches the next two weeks. They're gonna let the, they're gonna let each other handle their own business. Johnny Gargano comes out next, but Miz says that he injured himself and can't compete. It was a nasty TikTok accident and instead his opponent would be Amos. So next we got Johnny Gargano versus Amos. Gargano actually got a decent amount of offense in which made him look resilient but ultimately lost after getting hit with a brutal choke slam. That choke slam was like the kind of choke slam your older brother who's a lot bigger than you gives you where they just slam you down with a brutal force and he like held it for a while like it wasn't even Big Show style where he kind of like dropped to his knees back in the day. He like picked him up and just, there was so much hang time and slammed him down. It was a nasty looking choke slam. You know, I didn't have any issue with this at all, but I kind of felt like it was similar to the the thing I was just talking about. Johnny Gargano losing to Amos in such a swift fashion and, and, and getting dominated even though he got offense in, which you wouldn't expect considering we've seen Amas destroy guys of Johnny's size uh, by the, you know, there's three, four, five of them and he can beat all of them. So the fact that Johnny stands above those guys because, you know, he is size-wise around the same height as some of those guys who've gone up against him that are, you know, local h- enhancement talent. Um, so to have him go up against Amos and hold his own much more, even for a brief period of time, does do something for him. However, I think Johnny Gargano has potential to be a top guy on the show, has potential to be a world champion. I do, at least, you know, an intercontinental champion, but I think that Johnny Gargano has done a really good job of holding his own as someone who has, you know, been involved in good matches, uh, different types of segments, multiple segments throughout the show like that's all top guy stuff in my opinion when you can work with anyone and make it entertaining whether it's in the ring backstage during interviews whatever Johnny Gargano to me is that guy so I didn't love Johnny Gargano losing here to Amos I really didn't um but um, I understand that, you know, it does make Amos look like a monster. It does help the feud with, with Johnny Gargano, Miz, and Dexter. So I can't hate, I just, um, yeah, I mean, I just felt like Johnny shouldn't be losing that decisively quite yet. Also, and I know he's already lost another match, it's not like this is his first loss or anything like that, but I said something when he was losing, before, when he lost before, Uh, so, um, I will say this much though. Um, I, man, I am so bummed. I'm so, so, so bummed about Rebel Heart. I love the song Rebel Heart. Rebel Heart is one of my favorite themes in WWE. Um, I, I, when it got brought back, I was excited. Um, I've been pushing for it to be re-uploaded to Apple, it never happened, or Spotify, and now the song gets changed, I realize that it's a rights thing, whatever, but man, shell out that money for some of those CFO tracks, dude, because they're worth it, they get the crowd hyped, and that's what the people want to hear, we want to hear the real Rebel Heart, not this karaoke cover song, that's just me, I don't know. I say we. I think you all agree with me on this one. I think you're all on my side. Next, Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley was made official for Survivor Series. As Rollins gets interviewed via satellite, Rollins says much like the Goonies, he never dies and that he'll survive against the two of these guys this weekend at Survivor Series. Rollins then says that Theory is the stupidest person on the face of this planet, but not because of his cash-in. He said he actually thought the cash-in was pretty slick. He says it's because he jumped him last week on Raw, and that trying to make a name off of Seth Rollins never works well. He says you can call Cody Rhodes if he needs the proof. And then we cri- we quickly transition to showing Theory watching this interview backstage, and then he tells Rollins that he actually doesn't know who he is that Rollins acts like he's that that theory is him a few years ago but he's not he's his own man he's someone completely different he says I'm not that kid you've been in the ring with before I'm a new man and I will be taken seriously the disrespect ends here now I gotta say I've been hard on the theory character since that cash in I felt like it didn't make a lot of sense. For his character to do that, it makes it look like he doesn't believe in himself. And I felt like the subsequent, you know, forcing himself, or excuse me, not caring about winning a match didn't help matters either. But this, this is the guy that Theory needs to be on TV more. I think that selfie guy, Austin Theory, appeared to be not confident. Not confident in himself. And same for the guy that cashed in the money in the bank unsuccessfully. That guy didn't seem confident in himself. In fact, it was the opposite. It felt like that guy wasn't confident in himself. And that's why he cashed in against Seth Rollins. And that's why I took issue with it. Because I felt like maybe Austin Theory's character should have believed in himself more. But now we're getting Austin Theory believing in himself. And I believe in Austin Theory too. I believe in the words that he is saying. He looks like he is living what he is saying. He wants to prove himself. He wants to show the doubters. He wants to show the haters that he has the ability to be a top guy. And I got to respect that. You got to respect that when you see Austin Theory putting it out there like that. This version seems like someone who isn't a joke, someone who could be an elite level athlete, someone who you could give the ball to and see if they'll take it. So I got no issue with all this. I thought that this was the best he has looked in weeks, this whole entire show. So next we had Mustafa Ali versus Austin Theory. Ali wins with the eight, excuse me, uh, Austin Theory wins with the eight town down. And then Lashley is shown in the back saying that if Theory really wants to prove himself, he'll be down there in a minute. After the break, Theory is still waiting in the ring as Lashley makes his entrance. And the two go back and forth on the mic. And I gotta say... Theory looked surprisingly good here as he called out Lashley for failing recently, too. He didn't back down. He didn't get punked. In fact, Lashley tried to punk him on the mic by making it seem that he was an idiot for his cash-in and digging into all of that. But Theory having his own rebuttal, standing right back up to Lashley, being at least showing that he perceives himself to be on the same level as Bobby Lashley as money right there. Like you want to raise the stock of all of your superstars. You want each superstar to be a more valuable commodity and, and making Austin theory, this serious competitor rather than a guy who's a joke is, is so much better. This is so much better. Um, the, so then, uh, Lashley and and Theory get into a fight and Theory tries his luck by hitting Bobby with a chair but it only infuriates Bobby more so Theory eventually runs to the back and I was a little frustrated here again because I go well we were just talking about how confident he looked in himself but instead of it just being a scared runaway it was actually it actually t- turned into a smart tactic because he runs into another wrestler backstage Throws that wrestler in Mustafa Ali into Bobby Lashley, which distracts the two of them. Those two get into it, and he gets away. He actually looks smart by running away. And not like a punk. It looked like a like a calculated maneuver. I think that this was the best Theory has looked in months. If you want Theory to be a top-level guy, keep doing this kind of stuff with him. Keep putting him in in high-level matches. Keep putting him in. In segments that make him look like he believes in himself. And the people will believe in him too. Next we had. Oh excuse me. Before that. Uh, Lashley tosses Ali into the Titan Tron. And then makes him tap out. While Theory continues to run off. Mustafa Ali is getting the crap kicked out of him lately. I don't know if it's a test of some sort. If it's setting up a future character change. I don't know what. But he's going back and forth, SmackDown, Raw, Raw, SmackDown. He's going all over the place and getting the crap kicked out of him. And I'm starting to feel sympathy for the guy. I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of payoff to all this punishment he's been taking. Maybe he becomes the new Tommy Dreamer where he just can take out all the punishment in the world and fight back. I don't know. Uh, But at least he's getting TV time. We all wanted to see him on TV more. We all wanted to see him given opportunities. And he's definitely getting opportunities, no question. Speaking of opportunity, another team that's been getting a lot of it is Alpha Academy. Up next, we had them versus Riddle and Elias. But you know what? First, before we get to that, before I get too far ahead of myself because I've been rushing through this episode, let me first take a quick commercial break. All right, like I said, Alpha Academy versus Riddle and Elias. Now, this reminded me a lot of of the Riddle versus Gable match last week, where you saw two top-tier athletes putting on a damn good pro wrestling match. And that was the same here. Two teams just telling a great story in the ring with physicality. I'm liking seeing Chad Gable and Otis be two of the guys who are consistently getting long matches on TV, where they get to show their skill, where they get to tell stories in the ring, where they get to be physical, where they get to shine i was laughing because in this match I, i it was funny seeing alpha academy go full wcw for a while too we've got the steiner bulldog uh we had otis doing the scorpion death drop and then it was followed by a flying headbutt i was really liking them going full wcw on riddle and elias but i continually say this on the podcast when i'm talking about whatever segment alpha academy and riddle are in but Specifically Alpha Academy man they have been the sleeper of the Triple H era and it's really nice just to see two guys who were NXT talent who both were over in NXT um get a chance to just be that like tag team that's just consistently putting on good matches or even singles performers like they typically are getting the most time for just the middle of the card matches and and they've earned it. Chad Gable is so good in the ring. Guy is money all the way. Otis performs well every time. And who doesn't want to see these guys wrestling with Riddle? Who doesn't want to see Elias flexing that wrestling muscle a little more before he was more of a comedy character? Not someone who was putting on like five star classics most of the time, but ever since he's come back and he's been putting these mat, you know, putting matches or whatever, or whenever he gets a chance to do anything, he definitely has been showing that he's not someone to be messed with in the ring. That he has the talent, and that when given the opportunity, that man can go. So I got, I, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, the finish saw Riddle hit the floating bro uh, to get the pinfall victory. Next, JBL and Baron Corbin are backstage playing cards again. Drew McIntyre shows up and challenges Corbin to a match. Later, Corbin says we can do this now. When he steps up to Drew, he gets punched in the mouth. <laughs> Drew says he'll show up in the that 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 Baron Corbin will show up in the ring if he has any guts. Uh, yeah, I uh, you know I, I'm I I think the card room vibe which fits JBL's old character. Um, is a nice way to set things up for these two. Um, I didn't think the introdu- I think the introductions were the introductions were fine to, to heal it up on the crowd beforehand. But I don't think the crowd needs to be pushed too too hard to boo Baron Corbin. They're gonna do it anyways. Even in this match, which comes up next, they were chanting, "You can't wrestle at him when he can wrestle very well." He, <laughs> I feel like the guy puts a new move into his arsenal every match, and he's putting something. Unique together always. But the fans just really like to hate him. So I don't think we necessarily need JBL healing it up for him. But it is nice to have the two of them in their own little lounge. An upscale APA office. Where drama starts for Baron Corbin every week. I like it. I'm into it. I've seen mixed reactions to the pairing of JBL and Baron Corbin. But I like it. I think it added something new to the Baron Corbin character. The only thing I'd really say is they should pull back... On the Baron Corbin needing JBL to get to that next level because prior to this he was already in that mentorship role helping other people up. So I don't know if it makes any sense to now say that Baron Corbin needs that mentorship as much. I think instead it should just be like these are two dickheads and and they're gonna bully people and and and, and that's all you need. I don't think you need to make it sound like. Baron Corbin needs to be taken to that next level. We've seen him at the next level. We've seen him in big WrestleMania matches. We've seen him on all the shows. We've, he's been on TV for too long to be someone considered as someone who needs to get pulled up to that next level, even if, even if he hasn't won a world championship. But I do appreciate the team of them together. I do think that Baron Corbin and JBL are starting to form some nice chemistry together. Next, there was a War Games video package. And then we got Drew McIntyre versus Baron Corbin. This was a good big man beefy style match, but much like I was saying other things, this show, I wasn't really sure who it was meant to help in this particular instance. I love Drew McIntyre. I love Baron Corbin. Um, but Drew McIntyre does not gain much By defeating Baron Corbin. And that's not a knock on Baron Corbin. It's just he already did it. And not that long ago. You know, we had WrestleMania. He kicked out of Baron Corbin's finish. And so... With right now, like, one of the things that's happening to Raw is Baron Corbin is getting built up as a a guy. As one of the guys. You know? as, As one of the top talents. And so... To have him go up again against someone he'd already lost at WrestleMania and lose again, to me, in a little bit of a way, it did hinder the growth of this new direction that his character is going in and this new uh, credibility that's being built under JBL. And and to show that he is a main event talent and that he's not just a a joke like he was when he was happy Corbin or when he was bum-ass Corbin. He's back to Baron Corbin, and he's a badass. And so I didn't really love him losing already. I felt like with him being rebuilt right now, he should be winning matches. You know, I think that he should be beating people. He should be showing his dominance. I don't know if I think it's the move to have him losing already. Yeah, I just, I I was kind of bummed about that. Because I do think everything that he's been doing with this character has been rebuilding his credibility. And a loss to Drew McIntyre is kind of like two steps back. And I don't think we want to take any steps back with a Baron Corbin right now when things are going well and he's taking all these steps forward. So that was just kind of like my thought process on it. Because my thought process on it. Because I think that... Drew McIntyre doesn't gain anything with this win. And he already, I shouldn't say already had momentum, but I don't think this gives him any momentum. I don't think he gains anything from this win because he's already beaten Baron Corbin. He's already done that. And we're in the process of rebuilding Corbin. So, yeah, I didn't love that outcome. I really felt like, I really felt like it's kind of, I don't want to say the wrong direction for, for Baron Corbin, but it's not necessarily the direction that's going to take him to the top when he's losing and then in these comedy things with like an Akira, Ak- Akira Tozawa um, because the finish came after Tozawa appeared ringside, back in his old attire, blonde hair, not the ninja gear, and then Kazawa distracted JBL by taking his cowboy hat and running off through the crowd. Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore to get the pinfall victory. Um, good match. Cri- uh, sound match from beginning to end. Uh, th- uh, don't get me wrong. I-, I enjoyed the actual match itself. I just don't know who g- gained from this. Because I don't think it was Drew McIntyre and he was the one that won. And I definitely don't think Baron Corbin gained anything out of this. So, not the most effective segment, even though the match itself was very entertaining to watch. Next, the OC were interviewed about Judgment Day. AJ vows to end this at Survivor Series, but gets interrupted by Balor. And it descends into a brawl between the two teams. The brawl ends up outside. And the two teams fight in the parking lot as the show goes to a commercial break. If there's one thing I know about Triple H booking. It's that he loves parking lot brawls. And that's what we got here between these two teams. I'm, sp- I'm starting to I'm going to save that comment actually because I got a uh my old co-host from the redacted radio days. Um he John Roca, he's going to be with me this week. We're doing a special Survivor Series predictions episode so because of that i'm gonna hold off on what i was about to say but i do think that this feud has run its course i think we've hit the end of this so i'm hoping that i'm hoping that it does come to an end at survivor series even if there's beef between Mia yim and rhea ripley still that's unresolved since that's how she got brought back in I do think that this kind of needs to be the end because they're starting to kind of do the same things over and over again between the two teams. And I think that everyone evolved um, as much as they enjoy working together, as much chemistry as they all have together. I do think the feud is starting to run out of steam to some degree. Also quick note, Mia Yim is now known as Michin, Michin, which means crazy in Korean, I believe. Is that what it said? I'm going to go to the retweet so I don't miss, yeah, crazy in Korean. So, um, I think that, I, I'm assuming, because they still said Mia Yim a bunch of times, and they called her, like, Mia uh, Meechin Mia Yim. And it was thrown around, but Meechin was up there now. I, I'm guessing, just if I had to, like, guess, that it's just a sense of, it's a legal thing where, you know, they wanted to own the name, so... Chin, it is, and Chin's fine. I got nothing. I got. I, she seemed to like the name. She seems to be into it. Um, and I think it can fit. I think. I think it can work. Not everyone has to be like a normal name, like a Mia Yim. So Chin works. I'm into it, especially if it's supposed to be like their, you know, their crazy Korean female backup in the OC. I'm into it. Lastly, oh no, wait, not lastly. Got two more things here. Bianca Belair leads her team to the ring for Oscar's match. In the main event, Bianca says they're ready for war. And Alexa Bliss talks about how she's going to dump Nikki Cross in the trash like Nikki did to the 24-7 title. Bianca says they'll make the final announcement this Friday on SmackDown as to who their fifth member is. Let's quickly talk about that. So we're going to have predictions, like I said. We're going to do a full predictions podcast. So I'm not going to tell you who I think it's going to be. But let's lay out some of the options on the table. How about that? Let's lay out some of the options for this fifth member. I'm not gonna tell you who I think it is, though. I'm gonna save that for my predictions episode. But I think this seems to be the running, um, the the leading speculation from wrestling Twitter, from wrestling social media. All right, so I think the the one that people are expecting the the, the easy. Answer is Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae was already involved in this feud. It seemed like her injury was a, a worked injury for storyline purposes, so you could easily bring her back. That's number one. Number two, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, the man, was taken out of action in storyline by damage control. Now, she was injured for real in the match at SummerSlam, but storyline... She was taken out of action by Damage Control. So, because of her being taken out of action by Damage Control, obviously, story-wise, the answer that makes the most sense and has the most impact and the biggest name value attached that's currently in the company, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch makes all the sense in the world, and who wouldn't want to see Becky Lynch in a War Games match with Bailey? That's money all day. I'm into that. Now, third. Third's a little bit of a wild card, but I see a lot of people talking about the possibility of Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix was also involved in the feud with Rhea Ripley. She had some beef with, with Rhea. Rhea was wearing the Beth tribute gear, saying that it was, you know, it was a, memor- a memorandum, uh, a memory of, of the late Beth Phoenix you know Beth is gonna want that revenge on Rhea Ripley but does she want to step into war does she want to go through war that's a good question Beth Phoenix though is definitely another contender and lastly the show is on the the, the the announcement lastly the I'm gonna let me start over there lastly since this announcement is happening on Smackdown I've seen another person who's being speculated is obviously Sasha Banks. War Games is in her hometown. She's a SmackDown superstar, technically. So it does... It would line up to have her involved and to have her make the announcement, or have the announcement made on SmackDown this week because of the fact that she's a SmackDown superstar. And we have yet to hear what the deal is with Sasha Banks. I think the most... We have heard as she posted something saying that she's working on something for six months or working towards something for six months, and it was finally going to be coming to fruition soon, so a lot of people are, are are speculating on the fact that it might be wrestling, but I do think those are the leading four suspects. Candice LeRae, Becky Lynch, Beth Phoenix, Sasha Banks. Yeah, Charlotte Flair's a heel. I know that she's kind of like another one hanging out there and kind of like low-hanging fruit. But I just don't see Bianca Belair trusting Charlotte Flair in War Games. That's just my opinion. The character of Bianca Belair probably shouldn't trust Charlotte Flair in a War Games match. That's just my personal opinion there. Um, So Rhea and Damage Control come out next. And Bailey calls into question whether they actually have a fifth member or not. Asuka finally cuts her off, saying, Shut up, and tells Rhea, Let's do this. Now, near the end of the match, Rhea went for the Riptide, but Asuka reversed it into an Asuka lock attempt. Kind of. Both of their teams appeared, both of the, uh, the War Games teams appeared ringside again at this point, and then Asuka. Locked in an arm bar on Ripley, but she powered out of it and eventually hit the riptide to get the win for her team. So, team damage control, team Bailey get the war games advantage this weekend. After the match was over, Bailey pulled Asuka out of the ring, and a brawl between both teams broke out. Mechin then ran out to even the sides again, and Asuka dove on to the rest of the people ringside. To close the show. I was actually really surprised with this week's episode of Raw. And the fact that the women's war games match is Raw based. You know, Bloodline is Smackdown based. The men's one. So the women's war games match is, uh, you know, Raw based. And this was the only segment they were in the whole show. You know, when... Damage control have kind of been dominating the airwaves since they appeared on the scene as a as a group. So I was really surprised to see that the show that had the least amount of damage control in it was the one that was the final go-home episode before the pay-per-view where they're in one of the biggest matches on the show. That surprised me a little bit. You know, I think that I expected the announcement for the fifth member to happen tonight. We got the fifth member announcement for the Bloodline match last week on SmackDown. Now we're doing this. Hey, look at the Fox Sports Boy. I work for Fox. Got no problems with more reveals happening on SmackDown whatsoever. Don't get mad at me. Don't give me crap. Don't get me in trouble. But I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I kind of expected it to happen here for once. And I am... I didn't. I, I was kind of confused by them being so used so little, used so sparingly throughout this episode of the show. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more damage control, a little bit more uh, crap talk when it came to you know their confidence in winning the first war games match on the main roster for, on the women's side. Um, that not being the case, almost made me wonder if. They're the underdogs heading into this match. Bianca Belair has been such a strong champion. Uh I, if, if this whole feud is coming to an end here, I don't I don't think it is because there's so they're, we it's gotta end with Bailey winning that title or else everything that damage control has been doing would be for naught. So I don't think this is the end of the line. I don't know what what I think is going to happen in the War Games match quite yet. I will tell you what I think is going to happen in the War Games match later this week when I drop my predictions episode with John Rocha, my old blank redacted radio uh, cohort when we used to do the recap episodes together. Now we're back. We're doing a predictions episode. I'm very excited to talk these talking segments. I've talked... Talk out some of these talking points. Have a full discussion about damage control. Have a full discussion about the men's war games match. Will Sammy Zayn be the X Factor? Or will his allegiances lie with Kevin Owens? We're going to talk about if I think the Judgment Day versus OC feud ends at the pay-per-view. Talk about Ronda and Shotzi. We're going to talk about so many things. We're going to talk about just war games in general. So make sure that you check back in for that. I'm super excited to be doing that. It's been a while since I've had someone to debate with. I'll put it nicely. To have someone to debate with and talk about wrestling. That's what we're going to be doing later this week. That's where you're going to hear my full Survivor Series predictions. Until then though. Until then I just want to say. I do think this was an okay Survivor Series go home. I felt like obviously it 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 uh it the stories were there for survivor series not like I'm disappointed in the stories heading in but I did have more criticisms than I typically do when I'm doing this show especially since Triple H took over uh, as creative and it, but it was all just little minor things that we wrestling fans love to nitpick about so uh nothing too ill-natured here just a good old-fashioned review <laughs> But like I said, make sure you're back. We're going to have predictions later for Survivor Series. Big pay-per-view. First war games on the men's, excuse me, on the main roster. Men's match, women's match. First men's and women's war games matches on the main roster. So tune back in later this week. I believe we're going to put that up on Friday. So tune in for that. And also, we got out of character this Wednesday with five-time WCW champion booker t my old wwe backstage cohort we're on he i got him on the show this week we're talking about him joining the nxt Nouns team we're talking so much wcw and a bunch more so make sure you guys tune in for that on wednesday you can watch the video on the wwe on fox youtube channel early in the morning i think it premieres around 8 or 9 a.m the podcast is available first thing in the morning, like 3 a.m. Pacific time, I think. I think that sounds right. I don't set them, but that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's a really fun conversation. Someone who is always entertaining and Booker T does not disappoint in this week's episode. So make sure you're back here in the podcast feed on Wednesday to hear our conversation. It's very good. Now also... Don't forget, I'll be back here on Friday as well for another SmackDown Roundup. And if you're in this podcast feed, if you're listening to these shows and you like the Roundup content, if you like out of character, go hit up Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating, leave a review, let people know what you think about the show. If you're on Spotify or any of those other podcast platforms, open up the app, click five stars. I appreciate it. Very much. If you don't like the show, pretend you didn't hear this part. And also, like I said, the WWE on Fox YouTube channel—that's where you can find add a character every Wednesday on video, but also clips from ron SmackDown YouTube Shorts. There's community tab. There's a bunch going on on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that, and also follow us on social media at WWE on Fox on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and of course, TikTok. I'm also on Hive now. Go go follow me on Hive. Let's see if I can get my numbers up there. Have a whole new community. So follow me there at Ryan Satin. Alright, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin and this has been another Raw Roundup.